everybody, this is Jay Real, and thanks for tuning in to the Real Deal Podcast, presented by eBodyboarding.com and Tribe Boards. On today's episode, and Marvin Foster's gone. Oh, bro, what are you doing, bro? Take away, it's perfect. And I'm just gone. <laughs> Man, this is terrifying. I was just wanted nothing to do with it. Well, hey, folks, Jay Real here again for Real Deal Podcast, episode number two. And this has taken me a little while to get off the ground. I recorded the first episode way back in November of 2020. It's now. Uh, late February 2021, and uh, a lot of uh, little moving parts here to get a podcast going, but uh, I want to do this right and kind of get it kicked off, and it will improve with every episode. That is the main goal. It's going to get better. I'm going to have uh, Vicky on here. I'm going to have maybe some other people in to interview over the course of the Real Deal podcast, but um I want to pick up where I left off in episode number one. I was giving you sort of a recap of my pro bodyboarding career. Um, I started bodyboarding again back in 1979, just to recap. And uh, if you listen to episode number one, it kind of gives the, the full details there. And what we got up to at the end of episode number one was my first trip to Hawaii. I had qualified for the very first Mori International Pipeline event, uh, which was held in December of 1982. I got had gotten a, a chunk of money from my then sponsor, BB Bombers Surf Shop, Jack Crosby, uh, the owner, and Michael Heyman, uh, co-owner. They uh, helped finance that first trip to Hawaii. Um, and I still, to this day, <laughs> really, really appreciate that. You know, that's when we're looking back, that was almost 40 years ago. Um, and it kind of kicked things off for me. So anyway, getting back to the Hawaii trip. So uh, I was in college. I was a freshman in college at Salisbury State, uh, what is now Salisbury State University. Then it was called Salisbury State College. Yeah, sounds like a TV dinner. I know. <laughs> and uh, I was super excited and terrified at the same time. I had never um, left uh, the United States. I mean, Hawaii, of course, is the United States, but never left the mainland U.S. I had never uh, ridden waves over a reef, which was really the crux of my fear. You know, um, I had read plenty of articles in magazines about, uh, you know, people hitting the reef, getting cuts, getting hurt. And that was really something that terrified me. So really no way to prepare for it. But uh, what I did was I started running. I started uh, around the campus at college. I would do laps around the campus. And I wasn't a runner in any way, shape, or form leading up to that point. But I felt like I had to get in some sort of better physical condition. You know, at, at the point that point I was 18 years old, I was already reasonably fit, but you know, I wasn't able to, to ride waves every day cause I was in Maryland and there's not a ton of surf there, uh, all the time. Um, so I ran laps, uh, and I was taking like a circuit training class as I recall, uh, as part of my, you know, college requirements. So, 
you know, doing some little bit of cardio and, and weightlifting. So I, you know, I wanted to be fit. So anyway, fast forward to December of 1982. And the way Maury had structured this whole thing was they said, look, you get uh, yourself a plane ticket to Hawaii. We'll take care of the rest. You are the representative from the U.S. East Coast. So I bought my plane ticket. It seems to me like the ticket was really expensive. I can't remember how much, but I remember thinking, man, this is a lot of dough. So, uh, and the, the contest window was like the 26th to the 30th of December, I think. Can't remember. It was in Dece end of December. Anyway, I hop on a plane take the trip, uh, which involved a flight to LA and then a further flight on to Honolulu. And I arrived late in the afternoon and Mary Lee Christensen, who was the, um, you know, the marketing person for Maury, uh, she picked me up at the airport and, you know, it's awesome. I came from freezing cold winter in Maryland to tropical, beautiful Hawaii, all those wonderful smells and the human air when you step off the plane such such a wonderful feeling you know especially as again coming from maryland where it's freezing cold in the winter so uh, i get off the plane she takes me to this little motel which is i don't know five four or five blocks off of waikiki beach and i immediately thought okay it's late in the afternoon at that point but i thought oh i got a couple hours of daylight i'm gonna go paddle out at waikiki i had no idea how the waves were i knew waikiki was uh, you know f mostly fairly soft waves so i thought okay i i think i can handle this <laughs> and i just you know unpack my gear and grab my board and fins and i ran as quickly as I could crossing all the streets and the five blocks on my way to Waikiki. And I paddled just straight out. I don't even know where, what break I was at. I just saw people out on this outer reef riding waves. And I thought that's, I'm going to go out and surf that. So I paddled out and I just remember looking down and seeing the reef and instantly being scared. Granted the waves are one to two feet, <laughs> but you know, a kid from the East Coast, this is all new to me. So I paddled out, I caught a few waves, no wetsuit. It was just glorious, you know. And I uh, go back to the hotel and two new people had shown up uh, who were staying in the same hotel for the contest. They were from Australia. It was Evan Penglis and Julie Robotham, um, who some of you old school guys might remember those names. But in any case, I sat down and had long conversations with them about you know, where they live and their whole bodyboarding scene. And it was just super cool to meet other people who had the same passion that I did for bodyboarding. So uh, we went to bed that night. Next morning, Mary Lee picked us up and we headed to the North Shore and we stopped at Ehukai Beach Park. Now, Ehukai, for those of you that don't know, it's right next to Pipeline. It's uh, just to the right of Pipeline. It's Sand Bottom. Um, and it's, you know, it's essentially a beach break. So it can't handle a ton of swell. Luckily that day it was ideal for a newcomer like me. It was maybe, you know, head high sets. Um, so we paddled out and it was like more powerful than any beach break I had ridden. So, you know, I was riding these head high waves, which, uh, in Maryland, no problem, but in Hawaii, it just seemed a little more powerful. Maybe it was a placebo effect. Like I just expected it to be more powerful. So it was, 
but I got a few waves and it's, you know, sort of slightly built my confidence. Like, okay, you know, I, I'm here in Hawaii. I think I might be able to handle this, um, you know, riding these bigger waves. And, uh, you know, I felt a little bit better about the upcoming contest. So anyway, Maury uh, had set up condos at the Turtle Bay uh, condos. Now, there's an area up in Kahuku, which is on the north, the most northern point in uh, Hawaii. And it's a big resort up there. It's still there, the Turtle Bay Resort. Um, and they had condos. They used to be called the Kui Lima condos back in those days. And they had rented out condos for all the international competitors or competitors coming from other islands that didn't live on Oahu. So, uh, we all got placed in condos. I was with the California crew, like the mainland guys. That was uh, Dave Kniff and Brian Domasavich. I think Bobby Owens. Again, all these old school names that most of you won't know, but some of you, you know, your older guys and girls will. Uh, so in any case, um, we, you know, we just started chatting about bodyboarding. You know, you're put in. A condo with people you don't know, but you have that in common. So we were just having great conversations about bodyboarding. And the deal with Maury was they were going to, they, they went to the store, they bought bags of groceries, they gave them to all the condos. One of the condos was the Japanese riders, and another condo was like the South African and Australian, you know, riders. And so, it was a really cool international mix. And we were all close enough that we could kind of shuttle back and forth <clears throat> excuse me, between the different condos and get to know each other. So uh, anyway, once we got into it, they would pick us up in the vans and take us to different surf spots. Sometimes it was down to Sandy Beach or Makapu uh, or, or even Waimea Bay one day where, you know, it was like the shore break was kind of happening and most of us didn't go out, but some did. Uh, I remember Joe Gibbs, one of the top uh, California guys of the day. Uh, he was charging both the outside point at Waimea, which is on the smaller side, and the shore break. J.P. Patterson, who of course was from Oahu, he was charging the shore break. Mike Stewart, who nobody knew at the time, he was out there as well. Uh, and, you know, the rest of us kind of just hung on the beach and watched because it looked pretty heavy to, to us, at least to me. Um, but I remember vividly out of that uh, trip, or, you know, before the contest anyway, uh, one day we pulled up at Pipeline. And of course, this is before surf forecasting or cameras or any of that, right? So we had no idea how the surf was going to be from day to day. There were no forecasts to, to lean on. So we just show up at Ehukai in the vans and a bunch of us, uh, you know, overseas riders get out and we funnel down to the beach to check it. And we all sit on the sand and pipe is absolutely steaming. It's like what would now be considered, say, 10 to 12 foot pipe, which for the uninitiated, that is about 15 to 20 foot faces. Um, and it's breaking at second reef, which means it's kind of capping way further out and then kind of rolling into the inside and then hitting the what's called the first reef and barreling. And there were very few people out. You know, it was really scattered this morning. It was a, an absolutely beautiful sunny day. I have a video of this too. It's uh, it's uh, on DVD. It's, I think it's actually 
Uh, I don't know. One of these days I'll upload it on YouTube. But in any case, Pumping Surf, some really, really good surfers, uh, including a guy of that era named Brian Bulkley and Marvin Foster, who was one of the top uh, Hawaii guys at the time, surfers, and Daniel Kaimi, who was known then as the Boogeyman. He was out on a Mach 7. And mind you, this is 1982, the first year the Mach 7 came out and was available to the public. So Daniel was out there. He was a Maury team rider at the time, and he was out just playing with these waves like it was a beach break, you know, like a two-foot beach break. He was doing 360s and what were then called spinners, where you kind of get off your board and spin the board around yourself uh, and just playing with it. It was mind-boggling to me in particular coming from the East Coast. I had never even seen waves half that size, much less think about paddling out and ripping in waves like that. And then JP and Mike show up, Mike Stewart, um, now, JP was, you know, he was pretty well known on Oahu because he was, you know, one of the top riders of the day. And Mike had come over from the Big Island where he had sort of developed his bodyboarding skills and and had just started breaking into the, the competitive scene in Hawaii. But nobody really knew who Mike was because he was from the Big Island um, at, uh, on the Kona side. So they both paddled out at pipe, giant pipeline, and proceeded to, you know, blow our minds, you know. And it was at that point that I kind of backpedaled and said, you know, <laughs> I'm probably way out of my league here being here for this contest, man. It, it's all just going to be survival. I, if I can paddle out, maybe catch a couple waves of my heat and not die, that's a win for me, you know. So, Anyway, we watched those guys surf for a while, and uh, you know the rest of the trip leading up to the contest was, you know, just kind of trying to find smaller waves for us mere mortals to surf. Like I said, Sandy Beach, Makapu, other spots like that. So eventually, the contest time came, and the way the contest went down was it was a multi-day event. They had to do like a trials event. Uh, for the Hawaii riders, and then they had to do preliminaries at Pipeline, and then, of course, the main event. So the trials they did over at Maka, or sorry, Makaha on the west side. So uh, we spent a whole day over there watching all the Hawaii riders compete, and that's how Daniel Kaimi ended up qualifying, um, uh, among a few others, a guy named Chris Lavoie, Dennis Govea, I'm just busting out names from Hawaii that were in the event. Joe Teipel, who was an announcer at that time, but also a really decent bodyboarder. Um, and a few other guys. So Thurston Hillen, that name comes to, to mind. So all of those riders qualified. And then we moved to Pipe, where they had to whittle down the, the crowd. So again, I was seated on to sort of the main event. So the first day at pipe was junky. It was sort of in the four to six foot range, Hawaiian scale. Again, we're talking eight to 10, eight to 12 foot faces and bumpy, like real strong Northeast winds, side shore trade winds. And, uh, you know, the riders rose to the occasion. There's a few California guys that, that did that, uh, part of the contest to try to 
push through to the main event. And um, yeah, it was, you know, it was eye opening to watch these writers out there. We have a videotape of that event and John Blankenhorn, one of the top California guys, was narrating. It's hilarious to listen to even to this day. So in any case, finally, the main event day dawns. It's absolutely beautiful, really good pipeline in the six to eight foot Hawaiian scale range. That's about, you know, 10, let's say 10 to 12 foot faces, maybe a little bit bigger. And, uh, you know, I'm terrified. It's sunny. I'm looking at it. I'm seeing guys out there riding waves in their heats. And I'm thinking, I think I can handle that. It looks good. But then my heat comes and it's six man heats. And I paddle out in my heat. And as soon as I, you know, I didn't know, like I had never even paddled out at pipeline before my heat. So <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> how's this going to go down? I'll just watch the other guys and I'll jump in where they jump in and when they jump in. You know, I, I didn't know about the timing or where to get at, in the water to get out there because pipe is a little tricky. You got to jump in straight in front of the break and the current sort of sucks you to the east towards Ehukai. And you sort of thread this little gap between Ehukai and pipeline, assuming the swell is the correct direction and you make it out. Um, and it's, if you time it right, it's super basic and easy to get out. But um, if you time it wrong or jump in the wrong spot, it's a world of hurt. So luckily, I made it out quickly, got out there, and instantly realized I was in over my head. I was looking over at these huge lumbering teepees of water just detonating on the reef and thinking, oh, my God, I can't ride those waves. This is horrifying. So... And mind you, I had twin fins on my bodyboard. I was using fins at the time. I was a twin fin guy, man. This is 1982. And I think I was the only one in the, maybe in the whole event. And there was maybe one or two other guys with fins on their boards. So I get out there, six-man heat. And Marvin Foster, legendary surfer of the day, is our water patrol. He's keeping surfers away. And he's taken off on rights at Backdoor because um, none of the bodyboarders wanted anything to do with Backdoor. We were all trying to get lefts at Pipeline. So Marvin's out there. Anyway, it's a 25-minute heat. And I went probably 12, 13, 14 minutes, not a single wave. I was just terrified. I remember being out there at one point by myself. Everyone else had caught a wave except me and perfect peaks coming to me and me just paddling over them. off on this wave I bottom turn I pull up under the lip I get covered for a second and I come out under the shoulder and kick out and it was like the biggest adrenaline buzz of my lifetime I have it on video still um, again on DVD somewhere so first wave of pipeline was a little cover-up I won't call it a barrel really I'll call it a cover-up but I made it, and then I sort of had a little bit of confidence. Then I took another wave and got lipped squarely in the shoulders. My jersey came up over my head, both fins blown off, rolled off along the reef, which is lava. It's all lava rock down there, um, not live coral, like some people might have you believe in uh, on the North Shore there. So, um, yeah, I got worked really good, man. And at that point, I was kind of like, Okay, <laughs> I got put right back in my place. And 
Um, I ended up coming in. I got fifth out of six in the heat. And I was really inside my head glad. I was like, I don't want to have to go <laughs> back out in those waves again, man. It was horrifying. Um, and I felt like, okay, I went out. I had to go. And I learned a lot. And so the rest of the event, I sat on the beach and watched as, you know, the top riders just dismantled pipeline like it was, you know, it was all play for them. So um, when they got down to the final, it was, uh, you know, Mike Stewart, Jack Lindholm, um, I think Chris Lavoy uh, was in there and Joe Teipel. And I, I can't remember the other guys in the final. Daniel Kaimi, obviously, because he ended up winning. He won by getting lots of barrels and actually doing like rolls in the barrel. Like he'd go up to the roof, free fall down, land in the tube and come out. So he was really uh, playing with it. It was just easy for him. Mike Stewart, uh, actually second place was Jack Lindholm. Obvious reasons. He was the drop knee master at the time and he was just doing these huge carves off the bottom getting drop knee barrels coming out mike stewart got third now i will say this about mike he absolutely blew minds with his rollos because up to that point el rollos that you maybe saw a picture of here and there in a random magazine guys would go up to the lip flop over and and like fall down and then keep riding Mike did a bunch of these in this event where he bottom turned, actually rode up the face of the wave and got launched out with the lip landing in the flats or on the slope of the wave. So he did it totally different than other guys did it. He didn't, didn't just go up to the lip and flip flop over and then keep riding. He actually got launched with the lip and blew minds with that. And he did a couple of those in the final but really, the judging criteria uh, favored tube riding. So Daniel Kaimi definitely had that um, locked down. So uh, one, two, three uh, places were, you know, again, Kaimi, uh, Jack Lindholm, and um, Mike. And that was just a precursor of things to come uh, because obviously Mike went on to win that event nine times. Um, including the following year, which the event ended up being held at Haleiwa instead of Pipe because the conditions never got good. But, um, you know, Mike went on to dominate the sport for years and years to come. So, um, you know, that's basically my story of my trip to Hawaii. I, I stayed, um, you know, through the, the event, and then we literally left like the next day because, you know, Maury wasn't going to pay for these condos any longer than they had to. I'm sure it was a, a pretty penny for them to put us up. Uh, there were some crazy stuff, crazy things that happened in these condos. We had some food fights. Um, you know, there was just lots of, I think, partying from a lot of these competitors because, let's face it, it's a bunch of young guys in these condos being given free condos free food and free rides to and from the surf they weren't given alcohol or anything like that but i'm sure the ones i didn't drink uh at that time and you know so but i'm sure some of them found their way into uh some alcohol and <laughs> probably went a little more nuts because after the second year that they put us up the following year as well 
they said that's it, you know, because I think uh, people sort of overstep their boundaries, let's say. So in any case, that is the story of the very first pipeline event. Plenty more stories to come and uh, more you know, info uh, about my bodyboarding career. And then we'll move into some other stuff here on the podcast. But that's going to do it for Real Deal Podcast number two. I hope you guys enjoyed. And don't forget to uh, like and subscribe to the Real Deal Podcast. Put your comments uh, down below here so I can, you know, improve. And at some point, I'm going to solicit questions um, that you guys would like answered for future podcasts. So, Uh, I'll let you know when that comes up. But thanks for watching, and uh, I will see you in the surf.